0: Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the ColdFusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, the CFML News Edition. It's November 24th, 2020, a week of Thanksgiving. Are you thankful, Brad? uh yeah i'm thankful we're on this
1: podcast because otherwise i'd be doing like work and making money so <laughs> who have got time for that right
0: exactly uh <laughs> speaking of uh, making money uh thanks to auto solutions we're able to actually produce this podcast so uh thank you Orders, for for doing that um one way you can get back to Order Solutions is to sign up for Into the Box Latam. Tam for only seven dollars. You can sign up for the Into the Box Latam Tam uh, two-day conference, which has English and Spanish, and it's uh, next week, December third and fourth. We'll tell you more in the conference section. And uh, CFcast is another solution where you can pay for it a subscription, and that goes towards supporting Order Solution, and you get free and paid content every week uh, through CFcast.com. And we also have a a lot of individuals supporting us via Patreon. We have 34 individuals, which is pretty dang cool. Uh, And they're providing 58% of our funding for this podcast. So they're actually paying more than audiences to uh, make this podcast happen. So thank you so much to everybody there. And we'll give you more details about how to support us with Patreon and who those people are at the end of the show. Okay, so let's get into the news and events, and we got a few security updates. So uh, first one up, security vulnerability alert for Lucy. You want to give us some details on this mad type no. of rad? No. No? <laughs> well, uh,
1: um, I mean, I know what the details are, but I'm not going to tell you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so Lucy has uh, has announced a, uh, a security release. If you look carefully, you'll notice that the – holy cow, it's almost been a freaking month – You'll notice that the Lucy builds that were released came out around October 29th that actually contained the security fix. Um, Lucy didn't manage to put a blog post out until like yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, you're going to want to update to that. Um, there is a an actual exploit that's been found for Lucy that will have the details of it released soon to the greater wide internet. I don't like it when security researchers do that Um, I really think it defeats the purpose of creating a secure internet when they're like, Hey, here's how to hack server XYZ, all the details. Oh, I'm the good guy. Um, yeah, I have strong feelings about that, but either way, Lucy doesn't get a choice because this was found by someone who said, I'm going to release this information. And they at least said they would wait until they released the, the notice. However, if your Lucy web administrator is not accessible to the public, which it shouldn't be, but unfortunately most people don't lock it down, um... You're fine. This this is an exploit that affects the web-based administrator. As Adobe has had many of these over the years, it was sort of only a matter of time before somebody found one in the uh, in the Lucy administrator. So um, I don't know if you know hackers worldwide will jump on the information and you know try to find Lucy servers that are vulnerable and attack them. Um, it is a very nasty one. It does allow a hacker to take basically control of your server via remote code execution. Um so lock down your cool future administrators, your Lucy administrators, step two, lock down your Lucy administrators, step three, apply the update and step four, lock down your freaking Lucy administrators. So uh make sure you get a hold of that. Um or get ahead of that rather, not a
0: hold of it. Yep. And we're sharing the link right now to, to go find out more about it. But as you say, yeah, locking it down is one thing, but there is an update for those versions too. So get the updated patch version uh, as well, just to be extra safe.
1: Yeah. And it is worth noting that not only did not only is the patch going into 5.38, but they put a patch out for five, three, seven and five, three, six and five, three, five. So even if you're on a slightly older version of Lucy, um, and you haven't updated and you don't want to update maybe because there's some breaking changes, you can still go apply that patch. And the only thing in the patch is the fixes to secure the administrator. And there's also an update to the Java mail jar because that's actually one of the things that was preventing people from being able to update um, on the regressions. But yeah, so you may be thinking, oh, I'm a couple versions behind on Lucy. They do have patches all the way back to 5.3.5, which is a good yeah. thing.
0: 5.3.5, 5.3.6, 5.3.7. So, yep. Yep, so... Definitely go check it out um, and, you know, look after yourselves. Okay. So next up, we have another security update. It's not just uh, security, yeah. but uh, there are some security updates in there. And It uh, basically is a security update. Yeah. So TestBox 4.2. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have released, released. TestBox 4.2 if it wasn't for the security fixes we added. But Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, obviously, TestBox is supposed to be uh, a development uh, module basic development library uh, you shouldn't have it in production and if you do an install dash dash production uh, it should not install if you have it as a you know as a, a development thing, yeah but uh, a lot of people don't do that they have them on their staging servers production servers front-facing so there's a few things in there that you need to do um, but there are some updates obviously in this too so test box 294 and 293 uh, have some security updates as well so we want to make sure everyone's running testbox and hopefully that's everybody here um is uh running testbox but um, definitely update it and then look at making sure that all your production uh servers and staging servers that are forward-facing public facing uh, do not expose testbox so
1: yeah and unfortunately there are people who you know push testbox out just because it's part of their code base and they just kind of push all the files to production. Um but you definitely don't want to do that. So even though you should update to the latest version of test box, check your production servers and make sure you haven't, you know, pushed it out somewhere. Unfortunately, uh the test box vulnerability is just as nasty as the Lucy one. This has been a, a bad month for security updates.
0: <laughs> Com- I guess command it's boxes good month that we found it though.
1: <laughs> yeah, command boxes release as security updates. Uh TestBox found it had a security issue and Lucy had a security issue all kind of in the same time frame. Um, but the TestBox one is actually published already. And if you Google it, you can probably find it. Uh, we actually found out because the security researcher had posted it somewhere and we saw tweets and we we're like, oh dear, um, TestBox should not be in production, but still we should put in some mitigation just in case. Uh, but this this also does allow for remote code execution exploit, which would allow a, a hacker to potentially take over your server. Uh, of course, if ColFusion or Lucy was running as a root or something, but it's uh, it's a fairly nasty one. So check check your production service for TestBox, Wipe it out of us there. And make sure you update. We've also updated all of the application templates. Uh, so if you type like colbox create app from command box, um, we've updated that to use uh, the latest version. If you have um, the th- there's a code browser that comes with test box that in the in the current cold box template is like the index.cfm in the test folder. That's not part of the test box core, even though it's in the test box repo. Um, so I, I had this mentioned in the blog post, but in addition to updating the test box library itself, um, you'll want to check in your tests folder and see if you have an index.cfm that's that little test browser, because that file is also one of the files that's received to fix. Um, and I think, that's a
0: good point because yeah that's part of the test harness usually you create it and leave it yeah so it if you know. just update your test box library you won't
1: update anything in your test folder so i have a link in the blog post that points to the the correct index.cfm for that test browser that has some mitigation in place so you'll want to check that on top of the the test box library as well
0: yeah that that's a really good point because yeah You'll obviously just do a box install and update your test box server, but not that. That's a Mm. one and done usually. So yeah, we should really highlight that one.
1: Yeah, it gets trickier when files kind of just become an organic part of the application and those files came from some template that is found to have an issue. It's a little bit more difficult to to update.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, definitely a a good one there. I better finish patching the rest of my servers. (laughs) And then uh, we had something. Charlie actually just blog post, um, and then he sent us an email. Thanks, Charlie, for that uh, about a breaking change of Adobe Cold Fusion 2021. So this breaking change is a change in the date format mask. So if you've used uh, capital D in your date formats previously, that would work, no problem at all. But now a capital D does not work. Correct, Brad. What does it actually do? It it's um, the day of
1: the year, I believe, if I if I read uh, uh, Charlie's post correctly. I scanned through it right before a podcast.
0: Okay. So yeah, if so, you do a date format of 11-24-20 with capital MM, capital D-D, capital Y-Y, you'll get 11 329
1: ninth day in the year. Yeah.
0: So technically, the
1: proper character for a day in a date mask was always a lowercase D. But Adobe, in its infinite helpfulness, would also accept an uppercase D and be like, ah, yeah, sure, I know what you mean. So people all over the place probably have a mix of uppercase and lowercase d's that always just did, you know, day. And now suddenly in 2021, uppercase D just got a brand new meaning and it's day of the year. Because that previously
0: was a single Y for year, right? Day of the year. No, I think YY always worked. No, no, YY was for year, but the one single Y was for day of the year. Oh, honestly, I don't call it. I'd have to to look it up. Yeah, I mean, I remember doing that. So if you wanted the day of the year, you'd do a one single Y. I, I know I've, I've ran yeah. into that kind of thing before. Um, Eek, but yeah, that's but yeah
1: so good. I mean, as, as Charlie points out, you know, this this could range anywhere from just a mild nuisance on your display formatting to, you know, a major bug introduced into your application and some sort of core business logic that's calculating, you know, pricing or, you know, core things to your application where suddenly, you know, a date being greater than or less than a date that you formatted you can get a very unexpected result. Um, so one of the things Charlie pointed out is there's not a super good way to to know if you're using an uppercase uh, date mask in your application, just since there's not really a single thing you can Google for. And uh, no, I said Google, search for, geez. Um, though I'd I mentioned to you, um, Gavin, it may be possible if we could uh, create a regular expression that looked for things like you know date format, some variable and then some, you know, quoted string that had an uppercase D in it. Uh, It may be possible to add a rule to the code checker uh, tool that could try to find uh, date formats with uppercase Ds in the mask uh, to try to make it easier
0: for people to scan. That would be a pretty good little update there. That might be something worth maybe a regular
1: expression guru can play with that to see if they can find a regular expression that would that would sniff out any date formats um, I didn't read Charlie's post close enough to see if it also applies to date, time format and time format or only date format. Um, either way,
0: uh, that's yeah. definitely something that um, can catch you off guard. I'm running a couple of tests right now here. We'll see what it does. Ooh. Well, trying to, but apparently I've got some uh, problems here with my code. Hmm. Apparently I can't, uh, do what i'm trying to do in try cf on the adobe 2021 version Oh,
1: scott says he's on it okay go go regex regex
0: yep regexer is a good uh tool for that i'm sure that's what scott's probably messing with but uh
1: yeah i really like some of those online uh regex sites whenever i'm playing with regex
0: well all i know right now is on try cf i'm just trying to run an empty page on adobe 2021 and it doesn't work so there might be an issue with try cf uh, 2021.
1: abram was just adding 2021 to trycf. dot com like earlier today. In fact, I was chatting with him about that as I jumped onto the podcast. So I, it may not be fully up and running yet. He may have, <laughs> that might be in why. the middle of adding it. Okay. Um,
0: so try he's actually CF messaging me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2021 ACF will be available sometime on TryCF in the near future. <laughs> just in case, uh, I thought I had bad uh, bad code and I wiped all the code out. Still didn't work. So okay well yeah that's that's something to to work on um interesting very interesting there's always something with these new versions so that's why update one is always my preferred updating time at least (laughs) never do the first release so okay next up um the thing is we're going to be doing if you're using big Sur, just to let you know uh before you upgrade, if you're using Cold Fusion Builder 2016 or 2018, it is not compatible with Big Sur. So if you're on the Mac OS and you go to update it, Adobe does know that it doesn't work, it doesn't work, they're trying to uh, work on it. Uh, if you look at the support matrix, Big Sur is not on it. So uh, if you're using Cold Fusion Builder and you think about updating, you may want to hold off or just use VS Code, that's what we always say. But uh, uh, if you like Cold Fusion Builder, um, Big Sur will break your ColdFusion builder, so heads up there. Okay, another thing too, see uh, if Wheels 2.2 was released. So another framework release. Um, it says it has a change changelog uh, here with lots of details. Let's see what they got. So I should like a decent amount of changes. Let me pull up my screen share for those watching. Um, so they've added a few controller enhancements. Model enhancements, view enhancements, like seven different fixes they've added, and as usual, it's good to see a lot of uh, contributing contributions (laughs) from the community. I was trying to say community contributions at the same time, didn't work. Um, So we should come
1: up with a word for that. For that, like contributions. Yeah, community contribution. Something like that.
0: You 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 can do that, Brad. Comes from the contribunity. I don't know. It's a work in progress. (laughs) <laughs> yep. So anyway, um, so they've got that release out, so good to see that. Nice to see other frameworks are making updates still and, and keep them busy. Uh, okay, so s- since we've been speaking about uh, updates, Adobe ColdFusion 2016 support ends February of 2021. So Charlie Earhart uh, has a blog post about that. Um, I and- saw that tweet, and I was actually wondering off the top of my head if that was core support or
1: extended support? Not that it makes too much of a difference.
0: Well, as true Charlie fashion, he's pretty thorough. Let's see here. So, here um, you can see that 2016 general availability was oh, nice. 2016. There's a, a whole chart here. Yeah. So, core support ends 2021. Extended support ends 2022. So Perfect.
1: Now, yeah. that said, <clears throat> it's worth noting that Alicia's clarified previously that. Extended support does not include any bug fixes from Adobe. It's only there to help you upgrade. So oh, really? don't think that extended support means that if you're, yeah, if you're paying for special support with Adobe, you still ain't going to get any bug fixes in 2020 up until 2017. Now, but at least it's clarified fixes? a while back that I don't believe, well, I'm sure they can always call it as they see fit. From my understanding is once core support is over, there are no more releases for that version of cold fusion yeah and if you're it, paying for extended support that means they will help you upgrade that's what you pay for is them to help you upgrade you yeah, still don't get fixes here
0: it is, does not include updates and it doesn't say what type of updates <coughs> updates in general of course charlie's yeah. in the chat too telling us that as well yeah he says he has a link to that which is really uh, good to know yeah so I said, charlie's always very thorough we appreciate that charlie um so yeah and i think i mean the point that i think
1: i'm trying to make that charlie probably agrees with is don't don't hold off on updating you know keep your servers on on a new version of cold fusion where you know you're going to get updates uh, Otherwise, otherwise just get left behind yeah i mean if and you I update
0: hate- even to 2018 right now you've got you know until 2023 in july so you know, that's quite a long time you just have
1: to have it on the calendar i mean i was helping somebody yesterday on cold fusion 11 in the cfml slack and i'm sure there's you know really good reasons why their company is not updated, but I mean, they're in a point where they can't even use the latest version of Coldbox anymore because Adobe dropped support for ColdFusion 11 of, like a thousand years ago. Ordis has already dropped support for it. You know, Coldbox has moved on, to Coldbox 6. There's tons of all these features and enhancements, and they're hitting up against bugs, core yeah. bugs in CF 11, memory leaks, right? Yeah. Bugs that the new version of Coldbox, you know, works around, and they're completely just off and left field on ColdFusion 11 um and you don't want to be there so 2016 yeah, is gonna you know be the next left field for you
0: yep sooner or later cold fusion 11 um, core support ended in April 30th of 2019 so yeah, it's been we've been, been over a year and a half you know so so yeah that's that's why we've been dropping it from from all our packages i mean because you know designing uh, a library that supports multiple engines isn't easy but multiple engines and their versions isn't easy and like like the elvis
1: operator alone was enough to make us want to burn adobe cold fusion 11 at the stake every time luis would try to put the elvis operator in a cold box when he had this like cursing fit not really but you know he'd have to rip it all back out because they would have fixed stuff in 2016, 2018, but 11 would still have all these bugs that were just never gonna be addressed. So yeah, yeah. I mean, or this just gets to a point where we're like, we can't hold on to these old platforms. We've gotta move on. And if you're
0: still on the old platform, you're gonna get left behind. Yeah, and that's the funny thing. Eric, was, we are talking about the Adobe updates and everything. He's like, oh, 2021 has this. And he Eric's like, awesome, now I can finally <laughs> use that in 2026. Yeah, that's
1: the unfortunate <laughs> thing as a framework developer. You look at new features that come in the language, and you're like, that's really cool. I won't be able to use that for a long time <laughs> because right. it's going to be that long before, you know, Colbox or whatever library you're developing, you know, will be able to only support that version of Ford. But
0: yep so about That's a six, just year, part of six the- year window so we're six years behind in the core so if we drop something it means that you're more than six years behind <laughs> you know what it's it's a, a guilty pleasure of mine if you word it that way
1: that in command box i get to choose the version of lucy it runs and i can update it whenever i want and so if lucy drops a new feature and i update that version of lucy in the command box i can use that new feature right away it's like yes Whoa, whoa, whoa. Some guy's getting blocked messages in the chat. Some Scott Steinbeck is posting. Is that a hack? Some kind of hack attempt? Oh, no. It's a regular expression. Oh, good thing YouTube was blocking that comment, that dangerous comment full of regular expression. Goodness. <laughs> well, Sorry, so. I'm making fun of YouTube if you didn't catch.
0: Yeah. Hey, well, at least you have us an option to show it. Usually it just hides it and you can never do anything. Like Charlie <laughs> would post links before and they would never show. This time this is, would you uh, like to show it
1: or hide it? Big brother's looking out for you, Gavin. You just need to understand that. Mm-hmm. So Scott has a regular expression here that he thinks will find. It looks like he's supporting date format and LS date format. Trying to find if there's an uppercase D inside of there. Interesting. Hmm. All right. we'll let Charlie and Scott hmm. discuss how, how, how good that regular expression will be. Because you know what they say about regular, regular expressions. You think yep. I have a problem. I'll solve it with a regular expression. Now you have two problems. So. <laughs> or at least two. <laughs> <laughs> at least two. Sometimes it's exponential. Yep. Okay, so a little off topic. But yes, update your cool Fusion servers for yep. your support ends. Thanks, yep. Charlie, for mapping
0: that out. Yeah, Charlie's posts
1: always just have all the information in just one
0: spot. Yep, I really like those posts. Okay, so uh, Giancarlo Gomez Um Started a little thread up on the Sentry site this week about adding Cold Fusion as a platform. So we've been around 25 years. I think it's time we become a platform. But uh, <laughs> so the cool thing is, is Sentry. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, it's a great service. We love it and. ColdFusion is not listed as a platform yet. So uh, he wanted to know what we could do to get it added. He talked about a couple of different um, packages. So the one that Giancarlo created, Sentry CFML, and then the one that you actually created are the ColdBox module for Sentry. Yeah, um, and
1: mine's actually based on Giancarlo's original project. So it's just ColdBox. It's, it's the granddaddy one. Have, yeah, but there's a couple places that he wants to get it added. Um, if you go on their... On the Sentry documentation website, they have a big list of like kind of officially first-class supported languages, and that basically means that the Sentry developers support the SDKs for those. And then there's a list of community languages that aren't aren't supported directly by Sentry, but there's people in the community that manage them, and that's where our libraries would fall. And so we definitely want to get CFML listed on that. And then as well, when you're inside of the Sentry interface and you're saying I want to create a new project. It has a little kind of cute drop down that says, okay, what language are you using? Just to, you know, help it make as much sense as possible. And of course, we'd like to be able to have CFML listed there as well. Um, so the you know, the help on the on the screen tells them how to install uh using instructions that are are specific to the Coldbox. Or, I'm sorry, not Coldbox, The the cold based um SDKs. So we'll see if we get any bite on that. I, I told uh he Carly, he'd asked me, I told him to post there. I've actually had really pretty bad experience getting anybody to reply on the Century Discourse Forum. It's kind of like a ghost town. It's sort of like, oh, you're not paying us money. Oh, you want community support? All right, you peasant, go post on our Discourse and good luck. Maybe someone will reply if you're lucky. That's kind of the impression I've gotten. But nonetheless, we got to at least put it out there. So if you guys can make some noise, go, uh, you can create a quick and easy, you know, single sign on account on yep. their on their discourse forum, yep. put a comment and be like, hey, we use this. ColdFusion Fusion deserves to be supported. Maybe we can get some attention on it. Because it shouldn't be too hard for them to at least add it to their community list of SDKs.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, there's a few people viewed it. So yeah, let's get a couple more likes on there and uh yeah, see if we make some noise. Hey it works for other things we've done, right? It's true. Yep. Yeah, so making the noise. Oh Ooh, yeah. And Will has a paid account, man. He's rolling it yeah <laughs> so he's got he a wrapped around noise. his little finger they'll do whatever he asks yeah so <laughs> we'll we appreciate the that well, maybe yeah maybe you can make it work but yeah i'll tell you what Ortis totally uses the free we
1: we run our own docker container we don't pay him a time <laughs> but it sure is useful
0: <laughs> yeah and we, we do love Sentry using a lot of projects. I mean, we've used Roll By on the four. We used Bug Log HQ back in the day too, but they just get getting better and better. And Sentry is really a great tool. I mean, I know that we're talking in the box team. I think, uh, Will was talking about that with, mm-hmm. uh, Sam. And it's nice to have all your projects and your development tiers and everything. And, um, you know, it's, it's set up to, to really, really work nicely. You have a lot of information you can pass through in your logging and there's log box appenders for it and everything too. So, you know, I, I was just working with one
1: of our clients, Gavin. You might be able to guess who it was yesterday.
0: Maybe. And
1: they were taking an old one of their old uh, ColdFusion sites that's still on a CF9 box. We've been slowly converting over to Lucy. Um, and <clears throat> as part of our Lucy conversion, uh, we dropped the, the ColdBox platform just into the application bootstrap, not even rewriting in the application, still a legacy application, but we just dropped ColdBox into the bootstrap. That allowed us to do install Sentry, drop Sentry in, threw in some environment variables to configure Sentry, and then in the on error of their application at CSC, put a couple lines of code that just reaches out, grabs Logbox, and shoves the error into Logbox, and we're done. And that application now, all of its errors, are being funneled into Sentry. And we did it over Zoom in like 5, 10 minutes, just putting in some boilerplate. And of course, if it was already a cool box app to begin with, it would have been even easier, but it wasn't even that hard just to add the... The, the the boilerplate in to add the coldbox bootstrap. But you know, it was an application that basically was a black hole of error logging. And now a couple lines of code pointed at their sentry instance and they have all this reporting and stuff inside of Sentry. Um, all via the the magic of the the Sentry module and logbox. So yeah. it's it's very nice to have around.
0: Yep, I, I definitely love Century. I have you know, some of my Quasar uh, Android apps using it. I have Spa sites using it. I have ColdFusion apps using it. I've got all different things, and I've been able to just like filter by environment and everything. It's it's pretty neat. So definitely, definitely like that. Okay, so next up, uh, we just want to remind you about the Seattle SeaFug meeting on the deep dive hands-on uh, Thinkific API so this is their second session it was originally scheduled for November 11th it's going to be on December the 9th and that's from 6 to 7 Pacific or sorry 6 to 7:30 pacific Pacific um, and that's going to be Liana Daniel talking about that and if you go to meetup.com Seattle user group uh, you can see that event so definitely check it out and they have the video available um, on the previous event um, if you want to see, you know, getting started with the Thinkific API, which is a great API. And it's also a great one to learn about how to tie in with Colefusion. So definitely recommend that. Okay. So let's talk about CFCast. And because uh, we had a special podcast last Thursday, we actually missed the drop spot. So I'm just going to recap what we did last week that we knew stuff coming out tomorrow. But um, we had the last two sessions. Um, or video, sorry, on configuring your CFML servers with CFConfig, Grant finished up the service layer and the practical uses and wrap-up um, of using CFConfig. So that whole series is now complete and out there. And um, we have apparently a surprise coming for you. A Zero to Hero Workshop videos will be released this month. So in the next week, we should have uh, should have that. Or you guys can uh, tell them that shouldn't be lying on Twitter because Twitter is the source of truth, you know. Um, but also we've updated the site. So now there's uh, language filters on the, on the site. And you've also added difficulty. So see if cast has got some updates, more content coming all the time. Uh, yeah, should check that out. And actually Eric is uh, busy working on videos today. And that's why he couldn't be on the podcast. So we have to deal with Brad again. So I'm so sorry. So yeah. So cranking more content out coming cast tomorrow. content. Yep. Yep. Okay, so next up, let's talk about conferences and trainings. So if you're sick of uh, all your Thanksgiving eats and you want to do some learning, uh, Google has a DevFest Silicon Valley uh, this Saturday. So no, actually next Saturday, December the 5th. Um, My bad. So December the 5th, uh, they're having a one day, just a short, sweet, uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. conference. There's two tracks, four hours, uh, four sessions in each track, and some opening and closing remarks. So a short and sweet Saturday learning experience. And uh, Charlie recommended this one. He says uh, there's quite a few topics that ColdFusion should find interesting. So uh, if you look on the little Meetup website, Um, You can find out some more about it, but they're talking about Flutter, Progressive Web Apps, um, Google Assistants. A few people have been talking about those too. RecyclerView, some serverless uh, applications with Firebase. Firebase is a cool uh, tech, you should look into that. And then growing cloud applications, Cloud Run. Yeah, some some good stuff. So quite a lot of uh, good speakers, good sessions. So I'm um, pretty sure this was a free event too. So definitely check that one out as well. And then the next one is our behemoth three-week conference. <laughs> right, Brad? Because <laughs> one-week conference wasn't enough. Three-week conference. Yep, so AWS reInvent. is going to be held over three weeks it's a virtual conference and it looks like they're going to be doing it um, in all time zones so they'll have recorded sessions released in different time zones and everything uh, and repeated over time so uh, lots of great content there Um, last year they had 60,000 attendees in in person kind of crazy but a lot of good, a lot of good content, uh, a lot of good, uh, announcements. I know they usually announce another 30, 40, 50 different Amazon services you can get. Um, so definitely check out this and it is free. You can register now. This is usually a premium, uh, high cost conference. So it's definitely a, a big must see, must do. So sign up for that one too. And then Brad, I'll let you tell us about your Spanish experience with Into the Box LATAM. It's not an experience
1: yet, but (laughs) I will be presenting on Command Box at at the Into the Box LATAM. And so I'm going to be talking in Spanglish, or I mean English rather, um, but the slides will have Spanish translations and there'll be people in the chat helping translate. So we'll see how that goes. It should be interesting, but we're trying to make it as as uh, native as possible for native Spanish speakers that might not be good with English. So I'm definitely not good with Spanish enough to present it in Spanish, but <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm definitely it'll be not. fun either way. Yeah, I'm not doing it because uh, English people have enough tr- trouble understanding me, let alone Spanish people. So <laughs> <laughs> but, uh there's some good good sessions from some <laughs> of the, you know, Cold Fusion developers we have in the US and also some of our El Salvadorian team like Abilio. Um, and Davis Javier and we actually have a few people coming from um, AWS are going to be speaking as well, I know we're getting uh, their information uh, put up here as well, so a lot of lot of good sessions and it is a two day conference so even more um, oh we got John talking about his mustache, his stash box log stash mm-hmm. so yeah, a lot of good content um, and again, it's only $7. Uh, we try to make it region, um, pricing aware. So if you're in the U S you get a bonus, it's only $7. So, uh, can't say no to that, right? So. Yep. Pretty good okay. deal. And then following week, we have a, a workshop by Pete Freitag. So his hands-on Cold Fusion security training class for developers uh, is going to be available online and that's going to be th- Thursday, December 10th and the 11th and you can get more information at Uh This is a great workshop, he's pre- um, done this at Into the Box, he's done it at Sea of Summit multiple years so definitely recommend it. The early bird pricing uh, is available to December 1st, you got one week from now to to get the early bird pricing. And um, if you don't have time to make this, he does have on-demand training, so video versions of the previous training, if you prefer, and you can purchase those videos <coughs> separately. So I really enjoy his sessions. You know, you actually see how someone would take advantage of your site, and then you actually put in the the fix so you can fix it, and then you can try and break into it again. He shows you some pretty cool tools for testing yourself and your own apps. I um, really, really enjoyed these
1: Speaking sessions. Speaking of Pete Freitag, um, yes. We've mentioned several security vulnerabilities. Pete has updated his um, Fixnator and HackMyCF stuff to Ooh. include everything. So including looking... I mean, he already looks for public Lucy administrators, but he's checking Lucy versions. He's also checking command box versions um, and Runware versions. Uh, and he's also checking for TestBox now as well. So that's a good plug to tap in. So like, if you're not familiar, Pete's HackMyCF as a service that you basically give permission to probe your Fusion servers on a regular basis, and he'll check for all sorts of known vulnerabilities. He updates it on a regular basis, and he'll email you right away if he finds anything wrong with your server, which could be, you know, a, a non-lockdown default error page, a public Lucy administrator, an outdated version of Lucy. Um, but that's already been updated to include all the security updates we've talked about. So I'm a topic of Pete T- Freitag. Definitely check out his Fixinator and his Hack my CF because... It'll make sure you're kept abreast of all the stuff, even if you don't um, watch the podcast or follow Twitter or, you know, keep up with everything.
0: Yeah, those are great services and tools. Uh, no surprise there that Pete's on, on the ball with that stuff. So thanks, Pete. <coughs> we appreciate it. Okay. We also have the Cold Fusion certification, which is available online. Uh, if you want to register, um, you can register through a couple of links, which we have in the show notes there. Uh, if you go to adobe.com slash products and you go to CoolFusion's family, you'll see the certificate link here so you can register. So it tells you a bit about how it works, the requirements, and then the pricing. So introductory offer is still good for $4.99. Um, basically, get access to the, the videos and the, the test as well. So wonder how many the numbers are up to. We should reach out and see what how many they've got certified now. I know with the CF Summit last year, they had, I think, almost 100 people pass from that training and they continue to offer it. So I wonder what the number snuck up to now. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. Uh, To back
1: up a few minutes ago, you were just trying out the Adobe Fusion 2021 on Tri-CF, which, by the way, has also been added to CF Fiddle today. Um, I told you Abram was in the middle of adding it as we were speaking. Um, He just messaged me and I confirmed uh, and try, try cf as of like, 20 seconds ago, <laughs> now has Adobe ColdFusion 2021 running, of course, inside of a uh, command box and I think possibly Docker. Um, but yeah, so that's out there. He, he was just in the middle of adding it. Um, okay. Apparently, he's out in the middle of nowhere on some satellite connection. I'm imagining uh, him on like, you know, a, a yacht in the middle of the ocean or something. I don't, I don't actually know where he's at, but um, that is now added live on the air, apparently.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to add that to my show notes. So anyone who's listening, you'll get links there to try CF as well. So you can try it out. Uh, it's a good service. Uh, a lot of cool pieces to it. Um, one of the most used pieces is the scratch pad, which allows you to call, try Cold fusion code on lots of different engines right there in your browser without having to yeah. install anything. So,
1: and the, neat. I use it a lot on Slack, the shortcut, you, know, you come up with a code snippet, and you want to share it with someone, you just hit control S, and it saves a gist with the code a link pops up you can right click copy the url paste it in chat i'll put it in in lucy ticket trackers i'll put it in the adobe tracker as you know here's a link to a runnable example that shows what i'm talking about pretty cool okay uh oh charlie just clarified that apparently it's been a CFiddle fiddle for a couple days i just today saw the messages in the adobe channel Somebody had asked a couple of days ago if it was on CFiddle, CF and I had just seen messages saying it was there today. But apparently, it has been on CFiddle CF for a few days. Yeah, John Wilsh just said at three o three a.m. Central Time that CFiddle CF has it on, but maybe that's just the first time he had checked.
0: Okay. Cool, cool. And then uh, Charlie and Scott are discussing the regex in the chat, so anyone who's watching, uh, there's someone there. And I guess you gotta make sure that you've got the case sensitivity checked if you're in, depending on your tool, like Notepad++ versus VS Code, etc. cetera. Uh, so they're working on it. I'm sure Scott will share it pretty soon and we'll, we'll make it available uh, once we have that too. Okay. And then- um, What's next? Yeah, let's talk about some blog posts. So first up, we have Charlie Earhart's uh, breaking change in CF 2021. So we've discussed that with the date format mask of D. Um, and I'm sure if Charlie gets the the regex, he'll probably update the article. He's pretty good about backdating and updating articles. So he will probably make that available uh, on there as well. We also mentioned about the updates for 2016 ending 2021. Um, so, you know, make sure you update. So we were discussing that as well. Let's get to some new stuff. We have a uh, dope fly, Nathan Struts uh, had a blog post and I found this one pretty interesting. So I teach coding to high school students. And so he talks a little bit about, um, you know, the process and they've got like a homeschool co-op and everything with the uh, COVID and everything. It's pretty interesting. So he sort of talked about why he chose JavaScript over other languages and what he was trying to do, which I thought was pretty interesting. But more importantly is at the bottom, he used this blog post as a retrospective. So these are the lessons learned. So this is where I think you get a lot of value out of this blog post. Um, you know, so... He talks about there's a mental hang-ups when first trying to put code into text um different braces and brackets are really confusing for people and he said his student dropped out um he says youngest one in his class was of 14. uh he basically you know said they was a super smart person and still dropped out um but you know other kids are older but um you know just different abilities you know different things and so it's just sort of some lessons that learned there um typing speed is a big thing i get my kids whenever they're bored i make them do typing because no matter what they need to type better and and that's one of the things most of the kids were, you know typing under 30 words per minute or whatever um so basically typing is something everybody can improve and so if your kids got too little too much time make them do some typing um But yeah, so talking about, you know, creating files was a challenge. You know, there's like 44 ways to do it in VS Code. Um, So anyway, I thought this was really interesting. Um, Basically work, you know, look through it. You might learn something for yourself too if you've got kids or, you know, you're helping people learn. I know a lot of people ask me how to learn to code. Um, So even this is talking about high school kids. There's a lot of good stuff in there that you may want to, you know, pick and choose when when you're teaching someone. So... This is the first time he taught it. So he's learned a lot. And gonna uh, be doing HTML, CSS and JavaScript basically. So it's a uh, pretty, pretty cool. But one of the things I thought was interesting, he even had them install Prettier to help them clean up the typing. So they're worried about what they typed and not how it looked, which is a good thing too. Cause you know how much formatting can cause headaches and trouble with, with groups of developers. Can you imagine that in a classroom?
1: Uh, yeah, it was kind of nice. I mean, it's funny, like, when I learned, you know, programming, which was really not until I got to college, which is the late 90s, early 2000s, I didn't even... I mean, most of what I touched was, like, C++ code, a little bit of Visual Basic. Um, I didn't even know if there were, like, formatting tools. A lot of the sort of, like, code quality things that are that we're used to now, like linting and formatting, um, that wasn't even, like, a thing back when they taught me how to code. And I almost kind of encouraged, you know, ugly stuff. <laughs> so it's nice to see... Um, you know, that kind of being a, a first-class thing that you learn, you know, with programming languages, doing stuff right, and doing it clean, I like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just I'm just thinking about VS Code and all the damn extensions we talk about every week, and half of them are how to make your code look easier to understand, you know, like the bracket highlighters and indent highlighters and the to-do things and just all these little things that just make your life as a developer easy or easier. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of funny. But I mean, it's it's interesting. I said it, at first I thought, oh yeah, just another high school thing. But there was a lot of good good tidbits in that uh, that lessons learned. So uh, check that out. At least I say I'm sure everyone's had the opportunity to try and teach somebody, and maybe just pointing them at something like that might might help too. So um, so Ville de Bruin had a few blog posts this week. So. Uh, I guess we'll do them in order since they're all together. So the first thing he did was one on protecting your passwords of bcrypt. So bcrypt is actually included in 2021 now, but for those of you um, wanting to use that or if you're using it through the call box app that we we have modules for that through Forgebox. Um, This one's kind of cool. It goes through, you know, bcrypt and it sort of explains it. I like the fact that he, um, you know, looks at, different factors. He talks about, you know, how to distinguish what different parts of the password are what, um, you know, so it talks about salts and the hashes and work factors. And so it's kind of an interesting one to, to look and see how everything works. Um, but long story short, Passwords, if you you know brute force them, you can crack them. So bcrypt has a work factor to slow it down. So it makes it harder for people to try and, you know, figure out your password. And uh, the cool thing is I like about bcrypt is, which did catch me one time, is even if you have the same password on two different systems, it won't show up in the database the same way because it randomly, you know, generates the salt. And so the same password in the same database will not look the same. So it's kind of interesting. The bad thing is, is if you're just comparing what's in the database for if your password's correct, it won't work. You've got to make check password, make sure that you're using check password on bcrypt to make sure they're actually the same password. So that's caught me up. But um, pretty good blog posts, uh, a lot of detail there. But that also brings us to the next one. And so his next one talked about um, arguments and arguments and the interesting thing about this one was he was talking about how, um, when you're hashing a password, you have two optional, um, things you can pass in the work factor and the salt. Um, and so if you look at the functions, if you have hash your password and you pass in a work factor, it'll, you know, do so much work so many times to get it done. But if you wanted to increase the work factor, um, and you want to provide the salt, it may actually have a side effect and so he realized they were basically taking the same amount of time uh, when he when he upped the work factor and so he went in and actually inside the hash password function he saw that the salt was generating a salt here uh, but the vi- work factor was up here and so he modified his to actually use the arguments.work factor so he used an argument inside the argument scope to default the value for the salt so I thought that was pretty interesting, but yeah, you have to use the work factor when generating the salt. So if you have a default value of generating the salt, you have to use the work factor. So he's actually defaulting to the work factor, which defaults to a setting. So I was kind of curious if this is, you know, a bug that he found, or if it was just some modification that we should make, make it a little more uh, friendly, but um this seems to solve his problem of changing the work factor actually, uh, does change, uh, the time needed to, to process that password. So, uh, I thought that was pretty neat too. So do you know who did the work, uh, the, who did that one originally? Do you remember the Bcrypt library? Was that one of the oldest ones or?
1: The original, well, because it there looks like a it's a bug,
0: and oh, Will's already submitted the PI the pull request for that. So, yeah, there was a Bcrypt plugin like a
1: billion years ago, I think, for um, for ColdBox back for ColdBox four. I think that at one point, one of my old coworkers, Seth PhilCamp, had created a ColdBox module for it. Um, but yeah, I've lost track of
0: of what's still out there at this point. Okay, so it, it, it is an oldest one, so we must have adopted and created... Uh, yeah, I think we reached out at one point and
1: asked if we could take it over. Okay,
0: cool. So so he's already got the pull request in for that, which is neat. So yeah, so a side effect of the work factor wasn't actually creating additional work factors. So, interesting. Um, we also have one more from Vil, and that one is... About CBRM populating new objects Um he mentioned though in the fluent API approach uh, webinar I gave a while back um, we did some kind of interesting things with creating new RM objects and so we talked about CBRM 1 versus 2 so if you guys are using CBRM you may want to look at this blog post because it it updates to use CBRM 2 and sort of talks about the dis- uh, the fluent style that V2 has and so, um, some pretty interesting, you know, use cases. And we're we're always trying to improve our code, right, Brad? Trying to make it a little more fluent. Luis yep. likes the fluent stuff. That's because Luis is fluent
1: in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. That's why he likes fluent stuff.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so uh, this is a good blog post. If you're using yeah. OR, uh, ORM, um, you may may get some nice little tidbits here, just ways to improve. He, he talks about using. Uh, Virtual entity services and everything, too. So, pretty cool. So, uh, thanks, Phil. A lot of good blog posts this week. Okay. And then this one I'll let you talk about, Brad, because uh, Matthew Clemente hit a live stream and we'll have to talk about this module in a week or two for a ForgeBox module. But, all right. His- uh, CF Summit session wasn't enough. So, yeah. We had to do more. Yep. So building a command box custom command to generate markdown docs learning by trial and error. And so I guess uh, a few people talked, you know, after the session gave him an inspiration. So he decides a live stream making a custom command. So how about that for a session add on?
1: Um, you need to add to your notes, He actually, unless you have it later on down. He actually sent out a later tweet and he has a link to the project he created.
0: Yeah, uh, I do. Um, oh, you add had that, that later down? Yeah, well, I have it uh, for the next week. I was actually going to put that as the Forgebox module of the week. So. Uh, okay.
1: Well, I'll, I added the, the link to that in case anyone wants to oh, look cool. at that as well. Command box CFC to mark down docs.
0: Perfect. So, yeah. So that was a, a cool little video. Um, it's always good to see other people creating custom commands and you always learn something from it. And then... Up after that, we have something from Teratex. So this is a a good rundown. Uh, TeraTix has a more marketing focused pieces usually, um, but Adobe Fusion 2021 in the cloud. And so breaks down a lot of different things here. You can see, you know, why is it so good? Um, You know, making the cloud easy. CF Script 2.0. And so this is kind of a summary version of a lot of things you would have seen in the keynote at CF Summit and a lot of the docs and what people are talking about. So, um, like I said, it's more marketing style. Um, but if you want a, a quick overview of what it does and how it works, it's a good blog post for that. Okay. So, we also mentioned Testbox 4.2 is being released. And then we have the blog post there for that. Don't forget to update your runner, index.cfm as well. Okay, so this one, an interesting one uh, from Ben Nadeau.
1: Yeah, I laughed when I saw the, the title on this one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> List the unsung heroes of ColdFusion and Lucy. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because uh, you know, when you first start programming Fusion, you learn heavily that you know everything is a string, you know? And then the funny thing is, is you learn that string manipulation is slow right so so one thing is you're like everything's a string but strings are slow so don't use them so then you start using stuff like structures like arrays and, and structs or whatever but uh, this one sort of talks about some of the cool things about lists and some things you may not know and some of the tricks that we use uh, with strings there's a lot of member functions so you'll see like list first um, or the list first function by itself, and so a lot of these are using that. Um, but in natively passing names, you know, you can use any delimiter with lists, and so a lot of times people use uh, spaces or even no space, and therefore every character becomes an item in the list. Um, you know, so talking about doing things like getting the first name using a space, and then getting the rest of the name to get the last name or or whatnot. The funny thing is Ben did mention that his wife's name has a space in it. Uh, like my wife, Sarah Bell, his na- uh wife's name is Mary Kate, uh, and so it's pretty funny that uh, that wouldn't work for our wives. But um, you know, other little tricks or whatever for like passing email addresses. If you use the at for the limited, you can get the first part and the rest of the email. Um, you know, and then file file names is pretty interesting too. Use you know use the dot to be able to separate uh, that. But URLs, mm-hmm. lots of little tricks there in life. You know, so. So it's kind of funny because lists get a, get a fair amount of hate in the in the CF world,
1: um, and some of the hate is is well deserved. Um, I, I love Ben's examples because I don't typically go out of my way to use a list if I have a choice in the data structure. You know, I, I want to store, you know, five items. I would probably use an array. Um, You know, because when you're using an array, you don't have to worry about is there a comment in the values and things like that. But I think what Ben's pointing out, which I really like, is there's a lot of existing strings, um, whether it's a name or an email or a file path, things that just come to you that you don't create that you want to be able to pick apart. And it can be super handy to use those list functions on them. Um, If, you know, you know that a file path has an extension and there's going to be a dot and then some text after it. Um, you can use the list functions as a nice, easy way to trim that off. Um,
0: yeah. So and- that's
1: that's where I think lists really shine. It's not necessarily when I th- say to myself what data structure should I use, but yeah. when I look at a string and I say, think to myself, I need to parse this, and I'm like, hey, I can parse this as a list.
0: Yeah, and that I think that's the big thing is because strings. Everyone complains about them being slow. They're slow when you're adding and removing stuff out of strings, you know, whenever you're changing the value of a string. But yeah, reading from them, using those list functions on them, that's not a problem. So I think you're right. That, that makes perfect sense. And yeah, I mean, a lot of times we were passing them. There's just so many little helpers that the list gives you that doing normal old school string manipulation will just be a little more painful. Yeah, I mean, the, so. the
1: list first and list rest and list last are super handy. Um and, and there's a lot of power in be able to choose the the, the delimiter because by default the delimiter is a comma. But, you know the delimiter can be anything. It can be a space, it can be the at sign, it can be a period. And all of a sudden, strings that you you know touch on a regular basis in CFML, you know, any of those can become a list all of a sudden. Uh, and it's a super powerful thing, that yep. I think.
0: So Yeah, for sure. Okay. So next up. We have a Fusion Reactor blog post here. This is an interesting one. I know that Adobe CF 2021 just came out, but this one's uh, an article by Neil, comparing Fusion 2018 versus Lucy. So basically it breaks down from several different pieces, the pros and cons of each one. So if you guys are looking at maybe switching from one to the other, or, you know, obviously 2021 came out, so there's some new stuff in there, but I just thought it'd be a good one to share and and see people uh, look at different options for, like, price, installation, user support, language support, hosting, security, special features, et cetera. So, you know, it does a pretty good job of breaking it down. I'm sure there's probably a couple of things missing here, but, you know, there's a couple of options to and from. But, you know, if you're looking at evaluating, maybe read this and may pick up something you might not have realized already. Okay, so jobs, next up on our list here. So I guess see if my job says it, three new jobs this week. So we have a remote Fusion developer at Frederick. We have a senior full stack developer at remote in Canada. We have a Fusion developer, immediate joiners only at Bangalore. Immediate what? Immediate joiners only. So I guess that means they need to be able to start right away. So, okay so yeah so three good jobs there and let's let's say there's quite a few this month has been a, a pretty big push for jobs. so if you guys are looking it looks like it's a good time to be looking lots of good options there uh in india canada united states united kingdom so a lot of good options there
1: Mhm.
0: okay so we want to mention as well audis is still looking um it's still on the website. Uh, we're usually always looking, to be honest. Uh, we're pretty busy, um, and so if we're looking for a good developer, uh, senior developer, CFML developer, if you uh, want, go check out the site on autosolutions.com. If you go to about us slash careers, you can see we have the full job description there. Um, US time zone availability is a must, and US citizen or resident or work visa is a must. Um, but a lot of other options um, and you know a little bit about the job and what we'll be doing and what type of things you can work on so uh, check that out if you're looking uh, and we'll definitely keep you in mind too if we uh, for future jobs as well okay so this one's a, a pretty good one our forge box module of the week I uh, I just ran into this one. I didn't even know it existed. but An oldie but a goodie, the show notes say. Yeah. So this is something I wish I knew about a long time ago, and it is the ORM Reload Interceptor. And so our very own Eric Peterson d- built it way back in 2016. So it's, it's a long time ago, but it it still does a good job. Um, so the ORM reload interceptor um, basically allows you to reload your ORM, just like you would re reinit your framework with whole So you can do an ORM reload equals and put in your ORM password if you've set one. Uh, and that just allows you to, to reload your ORM. And then there's also an ORM reload on re-init. So you can set it up to auto reload or false, uh, you know, set true or false there. But basically when you re-init your coldbox framework, you can have it reload the ORM as well. So this is great in development when you're making changes to your ORM entities and you want to be able to reload and update the database as needed. Um, and so, yeah, something if you're working with ORM, this is a, a pretty cool little tool. And it basically just listens for the URL and you know intercepts that event and, and does what it needs to. So. Nothing too fancy, but a real, you know, a lifesaver. I remember having to go and add all this code into my apps um, to to reload at the right time and make sure my tests were reloading and, and this and that. So. Yeah, we would always have to
1: have that kind of boilerplate somewhere in your
0: application.cfc to make sure you reloaded ORM. Yep, otherwise you'd have to restart the server and yeah, always kind of a pain. So ORM reload with the flag. Great little interceptor, uh, but yeah. Simple as that. Okay so next up we have our VS Code Hint Tip and Trick of the Week and this one I thought we'd already done like many times and I don't even know if this might be part of the the core now but it's definitely useful. Um, it is the auto rename tag it's got over four million installs I don't know why those settings are so low only three stars but it does what it says on the box. It auto-renames paired HTML, XML tags. And so if you're working... Um, what does it rename them to? Whatever you decide to type in. So if you click on an opening or a closing tag and you start typing and renaming it, uh, it's smart oh. enough to go find the so tag. So you've got like a div it. and you want to change it to a span. You yep. can just... Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, simple, huh. little, simple little activity. But, you know, if you're using this over and over again, yeah, like you say, changing from divs to spans, or, you know, maybe your your company says we can't use bold tags anymore. You've got to, you know, do it this way. <laughs> um, can't use
1: the B tag, come on, man. Yep. That's the
0: foundation of my front end design. Yep, so stuff like that. Um, yeah, just simple little things, but uh, it's a helpful little module, a little extension. So that's our VS code. Hint, tip, and trick of the week, that little extension, auto-rename tag. Yeah. Yep. And, yep, that brings us to the end of our show. We thank our marvelous, amazing supporters from Patreon. So, patreon.com slash autosolutions gives you a variety of packages where you can spend your hard-earned dollars to thank us for our work with the podcast and pay for all the, all the fun things that go along with creating our podcast here. Uh, Once we reach our full funding, we're going to be using that money to also help our other projects like Command Box, Forge Box, Code Box, Content Box, and Test Box. But by you helping, it means Audis is spending less money on the podcast so they can spend more money on those things too. So even though it's not directly helping it yet, indirectly you're still helping support all of those things that Audis does. So imagine if Forge Box, you had to pay for every package you put up there and every package you downloaded. That would be sad. So... Hmm. So thank you, Patreon supporters, for helping that. What awesome. if What if we just started charging for Forgebox installs, but it
1: was like a video game we had to put in a quarter to like keep the game going? Well, they kind of did like, that with the Docker Hub, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they did, though. You've installed TestBox 25 times. Please insert 50 cents to continue. I'm like,
0: ah, crap, our builds are all blocked up. <laughs> Ching, start. Yeah, so um, <laughs> for those of you who didn't know, on um, Docker Hub, there's like a limit now for your public packages, how many... Um, pulls you can get on your images yeah and so a lot of people are hitting their limits very quickly
1: it, yeah so the limit isn't on the on the image being pulled it's on the person pulling it so you know people started coming in, in slack and saying hey my builds are failing uh it's saying it can't pull the you know the orders command box image like well yeah read the message it says you've pulled as many times as they're going to let you pull for free so if, if you just authenticate i think with just a free docker hub account i think you can like double the amount of pulls okay um but if you have some like ridiculous amount of pulls i think you basically have to actually start paying the money i haven't looked at it too closely but i guess they they probably started measuring the amount of like free bandwidth they were giving the internet and they're probably like wait a minute wait a minute nobody's paying us for any of this so eh.
0: yeah so anyway Side note, sidetrack, sorry about that. Back to the patron supporters who are making our stuff possible. Uh, thank you. That's right.
1: ForgeBox is still free because of
0: you guys. Yep. So thanks Ben Adele, Brett DeLine, Calvin Stanton, Charlie Earhart, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Tadea Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Edgardo Caberis, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, John Carlo Gomez, Jan Yannick, Jason Tiger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lammery, Kai Koenig, Lex Terahadi, Mario Rodriguez, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Stephen Klotz, Synaptrix, and Yogesh Mishra. So Yay. that's pretty, pretty cool little list there. It's getting bigger and bigger every week. And that's-
1: You guys are keeping Forgebox free. It's all on your shoulders. Yep. So next <laughs> time it goes down,
0: pay up. No, just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Shh>. Forgebox <laughs> anyway. never goes down. Yeah. No. <clears throat> Not for long anyway, right, Brad? Because everybody screams. It means somebody's using it. That's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> we,
1: we know that people are using Forgebox because if, if it blips for any reason, it's like count the, the, the
0: seconds or the minutes before you start getting pings. People are like, hey, my build just failed. What's going on, guys? Yeah, I think it's a good sign. We have that many people using builds that re- rely on it and defend on it. So pretty cool anyways that's the end of the show for today thanks everybody for tuning in hope everyone has a happy thanksgiving no matter where you are in the world uh, even though most of you don't se- really celebrate it but you guys have a good one uh, we'll see you all next week
1: adios amigos
0: have a good one <music> show notes for this episode can be found at io. Or you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audience.